At this time of Samhain, when the veils between the worlds are thin, through the power of one mind, with the pure love of one heart, we open a portal to the other side. We peel back the veil and we call to those of our ancestors and beloved dead who would like to experience this time of magic with us. We invite them to be fully present in this sacred space, to see through our eyes, to move through our bodies, to speak through our words and to dance in this space with us until we close our circle when they will return across the Great Divide. We welcome the ancestors. Blessed be. Pass through the portal, go through the gate, enter and be reborn. Pass through the portal, go through the gate, Enter and be reborn. Well, good evening and welcome, friends, fans, and colleagues to Voices of the Sacred Feminine on this very special night, uh, which is uh, Halloween, which is All Hallows, which is Samhain. Uh, and uh, that uh, music you heard opening the show tonight was uh, the wonderful artist out of Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, by the name of Abigail Spinner McBride, and um, uh, the single that... uh, you got to hear a little tease of is called Pass Through the Portal. Now, if um, I remember tonight, uh, I will play that in its entirety to close the show uh, because uh, it doesn't get much more perfect than that. Um, also, too, um, interesting little uh, little tidbit, funny little tidbit. Uh, I was talking to tonight's guest before uh, we actually um, went live and we were talking about tonight being All Hallows, uh, being Samhain, being uh, Halloween. And, uh, you know, we were chuckling a little bit about the folks who um, aren't familiar with the with this holiday, this sacred holiday of, uh, you know, pagans and, and uh, Wiccans, and uh, I've, I, I think probably Druids, too, um, our, our guest will tell us, um, uh, that, uh, you know, this um, holiday, uh, Samhain, uh, it, it, you know, the, the word uh, isn't spelled at all like, um, like it sounds. Um, so if you've ever seen the word S-A-M-H-A, I N, uh, in reference to Halloween or All Hallows, um, you know, of course, which tonight is, um, that is called Samhain. Samhain. It is not Samhain uh, or some of the other unusual pronunciations uh, that we hear. So, um, I know many of our listeners, of course, already know that, but uh, we have new people joining the show each week. And uh, for those folks who uh, don't know a lot about uh, witches and Wicca and Druid and paganism, um, then, uh, you know, maybe that's just a a little tidbit to, uh, uh, you know, appropriate and relevant to start off tonight's show. Uh, Which, by the way, uh, is called Real Witches of New England. Uh, What could be better uh, for tonight? And 
our guest is uh, Ellen Everett Hopman, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, Ellen. Uh, she's been a, a Druidic initiate since uh, 1984, and she's a founding member of the Order of the White Oak. Uh, she's an archdruidess of the Tribe of the Oak and a member of the Great Council of Mages and Sages. Uh, and um, she's authored several books. Uh, one is uh, Secret Medicines from Your Garden. And um, the new, her newest book, uh, The Real Witches of New England, uh, our topic uh, tonight. And it's a brand new book that uh, just uh, came out um, uh, published by Inner Traditions and uh, Bear Company, um, and uh, she lives uh, lives in Massachusetts of all places. <laughs> um, so anyway, let me uh, say hello to Ellen. Uh, Ellen Ever Topman, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Hello, and sound blessings on everybody who's <laughs> listening to this. It's, it's an amazing <laughs> and- night. It 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 certainly is, you know. As uh, uh, Abigail sings in her song, um, uh, marks the time of the year when the veil between the wa- worlds is supposed to be thinnest. We can maybe commune with our ancestors, uh, you know, uh, have it a, a little bit easier time, um, you know, uh, ushering in uh, some communication. Um, why don't you? I, I mean, since we're already there, uh, Ellen, why don't you talk a little bit about Samhain, uh, Hallows, Halloween, uh, as it's called by all of those uh, different names? Um, what is um, this uh, witch holiday? Well, it's not just a witch holiday. Um, I think all European-based uh, pagan traditions, Druids, uh, everybody recognizes this time of year uh the the date though there's controversy about the date um because october 31st it seems to be a modern calendar date uh in the past um november 11th was the old date for Samhain in scotland and uh some people like to say that it's the if you look at the exact midpoint uh, between the winter solstice and the fall equinox, it's going to be November 7th. So I kind of think of it as a a time of year. I mean, I, mm-hmm. tonight, it it feels to me like we're moving into it tonight, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's more of a season, kind of like the Christmas season or a solstice exactly. season. Exactly. I, I mean, uh, yeah. It's recognized out in the muggle world as this one day, but uh, I think those of us more familiar with it know that it maybe spreads out across a few weeks, and it's kind of just starting now. Right, and in ancient, it's a Celtic festival, and in ancient times, the Celts only had two seasons. They had summer and they had winter, and that was it. So they had the light half of the year and the dark half of the year. And Samhain begins the dark half of the year. Beltane, Bialtana, May Day, begins the light half of the year. So those are the most important festivals. Those are the two two really big ones. Um, but even if you look at, at Lunasa, for example, that's about a three-week observance. You know, there are, modern pagans will say, oh, August 1st is Lamas or Lunasa. But um, if you look at actual Celtic traditions, it could be anywhere from the end of July to the second week of August, you know. So right. It, 
they were observing changes in nature is what it was. They're marking yeah. a distinct shift, you know. And uh, what's happening now, if you were in um, Yosemite, say, uh, you and watching buffalo, you know, the buffalo come down from the hills at a certain time of year. And then at Beltane or May Day, in the, they would go back up the hills again. So at this time of year, the herds are coming down. And a big part of Samhain in Celtic areas was this is the time when the cows are brought down, or they should be down by tonight, but they're, da- they're brought down from the hills, they're brought into the barn, and everything has to be kind of, the harvest has to be finished, locked up, you know, secure in the barn. Um, the food for, that you have for the winter is collected. Anything that's out after tonight belongs to the fairies, and you can't touch mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean we're we're so we're so removed from nature, you know. Um the convenience of the grocery store has uh really detached us uh in so many uh you know big big and small ways uh from those uh those those natural cycles that were so important. Um and you know and and uh, you know not to go too far afield here, but I think uh that has also made it more difficult for some people uh to understand the importance of taking care of the earth. Uh, you know, the importance yep. of being wise stewards. You know, we just take it all for granted uh, rather than taking responsibility for it. And, um, you know, we just assume it's always going to be there and we can, you know, it can tolerate uh, any abuse. And, um, you know, I, I think we're seeing with this may, this global warming uh, upon us with these storms and everything else that, uh you know, we may reap the whirlwind, and um, you know, goddess may yet, uh, you know, get her retribution for our neglect. Um, yeah. But I guess that's a that's a whole nother <laughs> that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> yes, and it's a big one. It's a big one. <laughs> So um, for, uh, you know, my my listeners are, are so varied, you know, some people have, you know, know all about this and, you know, maybe this is just a fun refresher and others are brand new. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about um, what happens at your typical uh, Samhain ritual, you know, to honor, uh, to honor the season, um, you know, if you think there's some... Um, uh, you know, consistency um, that we can kind of, you know, in general point to, um, you know, that, that uh, you know, pagans across the board will be doing tonight or in the coming weeks? Well, you know, all the different pagan traditions are very different, <laughs> and it's hard to generalize. <laughs> but, but just in general, this is the time when we honor the dead. We honor the ancestors. And that's nothing spooky, ooky, or creepy about it. It's your grandmother who passed last winter or your aunt, you know, who passed away two weeks ago or your grandfather or your father. It's your beloved ancestors. Um, And this is just the time. The, The Celts wanted to have a specific time when the community would remember the dead because uh, they didn't feel that the dead were gone. Uh, They were still there, but they were in another place. They were in the other world, and they were still accessible. 
And so this was a time to do divination. Um, so it's a really good time tonight to do divinations for the coming year, uh, for any questions that you have, problems that you have. Um, a nice thing to do uh, is to have a, what they call a dumb supper. And you could do it tonight or any night up to November 12th, as far as I'm concerned, have a dumb supper. And that's where you just have a silent meal and you set one or two places. Uh, if you have a specific ancestor that you're thinking about, um, say it's your grandmother, you would have a place at the table for her. You would have an empty chair. Um, you would have a plate for her, and you would put food on the plate. And um, you can have a candle, light a candle for her, and put it in a jar because you're going to leave it there till it burns down by itself. Um, and then if you have anything you want to tell her, you can write little notes to her and put those around the candle. Um, you could also take the food outside if you want. I did that tonight. I actually put out a bowl of eggnog with uh, nutmeg and cinnamon sprinkled in there and a cookie, um, and I left a lit candle. And the reason you leave the candle is because it's so that the wandering spirits know where to go. Um, hmm. They're attracted to the candle. So I did that. But I also did it for the fairies. And um, this is, it's really it's a very good idea on the high holy days to leave offerings for the fairies. So I go outside. I call them in as if they were a herd of cows. I sing to them. I call out in Gaelic. You know, I, I just call the names of different fairies, and I call them in. And um, and I tell them that this food is for them, you know, and I leave the plate out overnight. And it doesn't matter if an animal, people say, oh, but a raccoon is going to come and eat it. But that doesn't matter because what the fairies do, they don't eat the way we do. They don't have mouths and stomachs and teeth and all that. But what they do is they take the essence of the food and the energy mm -hmm. that you left there for them. So they'll take that essence, and then if an animal comes, if a possum or a, a dog or something comes and eats it, fine, you know. it's By then it's done. And you should never touch the food that's been offered to the spirits because all the, um, the life-giving forces will have been sucked out of it at that point because that's what they do. They take that. And uh, for the fairies, you can even leave cloth. You could leave a little bit of tartan cloth or some kind of cloth and uh, they will even take the energy from that and use it to make clothing for their bodies, their light bodies. So now the ne so now the next morning, if you get up and you still see the cloth or you still see the cookie or the eggnog, um, do That's you uh, cr just just leave it there until it eventually disappears, or how do you handle that? Um, I usually leave it there for I don't know as long as I feel like, and then I compost it. You know. It really okay. doesn't matter because it's the night that you put it out, that's when the spirits are going to come and they're going to take the chi, you know, the term chi, vital force. They're going to take it right. from the food. And after that, the food is dead. So it really doesn't matter when you when you get rid of it. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. And for someone who says, hmm, how do I connect with my ancestors? Um, can you kind of give a, a quick little, um, you know, uh, thumbnail of what would be uh, easy, easy to do? Well, try to think of something that they liked 
Um, last night someone was telling me that their father loved chocolate ice cream. So I said, okay, put out a dish of chocolate ice cream. <laughs> you know, it's like um, just think about things that you remember about the person and what they actually liked. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if, if somebody liked their whiskey, put out a, a dram of whiskey, you know, like whatever they liked. And they'll know, they'll get it, you know, that it's for them. And, 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 um, and, and as far as actually, um, you know, communicating, um, would you say, you know, watch your dreams or ideas that pop into your head or um, any other suggestions? Well, they, I mean, I can tell you my experience, they do communicate with me, but it's not anything that I consciously try to make happen but they will they'll do things like um one time it was valentine's day and i'm a single woman right so on valentine's day i went to the kitchen and i got an empty teacup it it hadn't had any tea in it and there was a heart a perfect heart in the bottom of the cup that was one um I've had, well, the the most mysterious one was um, after my aunt died. My Aunt Jackie was very into birthdays. That was her big thing. So I came home one day, and there was a message on my answering machine. And it just sounded like this really, really ancient old lady, literally as if she were talking from the grave. I mean, it was this really distant, whispery voice saying, don't forget her birthday and her friend her friend's birthday was coming up and i knew the the minute i heard it i knew it was her and i knew that that's what she was trying to tell me that don't forget her friend's birthday so i never forget her friend's birthday i always make a point of sending her something you know i mean i just things like that happen um and yeah. it's not any i'm not trying they they just sometimes you know one time I remember I was really, I think I had broken up with a boyfriend or something, and I, I flung myself on the bed, and I was crying, you know, very dramatic. And all of a sudden I heard this voice, and it was calling to me. It was just calling my name, and I heard it. And and it was a, a woman's voice, and I think it was one of my grandmothers. I don't know for sure, obviously, but I believe it was one of my grandmothers. So, I mean, and then I have I, I have a Native American friend, and she said that, when one of her relatives is going to die, a feather will appear on the ground, and then hmm. she'll know that somebody's about to pass over. Oh, I had an experience. My teacher, one of my one of my books is dedicated to him, Alexei Kondratiev. He was a fantastic linguist, and he helped me with the Gaelic uh, glossaries in my novels and um, in some of my herbals. And, um, you know, he he was pretty much cooperating with me on every book, just helping me get the Gaelic pronunciation down. And and he spoke Old Irish, which is pretty rare. So my glossaries are all in Old Irish, you know. So when he died, that was was a big loss because I've never found anyone that could replace him. And one day I was in the kitchen, and this was before he passed. I was in the kitchen. I was doing dishes. I mean, I live in the country, and the kitchen door was open, and all of a sudden this owl sat, uh, it started hooting, but it was sitting right above the kitchen door on the peak of the roof, 
And that's never hmm. happened. It never happened before, and it never happened after that. But it it was hooting and hooting and hooting, and I'm doing the dishes. And, and I, I thought, this is odd, and it just kept going. And then all of a sudden I realized I was in, you know, I said, oh, the owl is trying to tell me that somebody's going to die. And then the next morning I found out that Alexei had passed that day, the day that I heard the owl. And that's wow. a very old, that's an old uh, Scottish tradition, um, you know, when you hear the owl. And other Celtic so countries Ellen, have. Yeah. Um, you said you, you live in the country. Do you think mm-hmm. um, that, you know, out of the hustle and bustle and the concrete of the city, uh, do you think being closer to nature uh, helps you uh, tune in the way you seem to be able to do maybe more than a lot of people? Well, that's partly it, but it's also if you – I know people that live in the city who are very attuned to what's going on in nature, because there is nature even in the city. Um, mm-hmm. I remember going to a workshop one time in downtown Boston, and it was a shamanic uh, workshop, and this raven came, and it was perched right over my head, you know, on a windowsill, talking, and I knew it was talking to me, and, and there was a message, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> things are happening in the city, Um but yeah. when you're in nature, it's really obvious. I mean, I can talk to trees anytime I want. I can, I go outside every day and I look at the stars every night and feel the wind and um, see what direction it's coming from. And I can do all that. But I think if you live in the city and you're and you stop and you consciously tune in, there's a lot going on in the city as well. Yeah. But you just you well, have to and, pay attention. And, and- well, yeah, and speaking of paying attention and tuning in, um, I was going to say, you know, for those who are looking for messages from their beloved dead, um, you know, sometimes it just takes that, you know, um, uh, it, you know, maybe putting out the intention that you'd like to hear from them, uh, listening and not poo-poo it if something mm-hmm. comes your way, you know, because we tend to say, oh, well, you know, I just, it was wishful thinking, you know, I, I uh, it, that, that was, that was just me, you know, um, I, I think sometimes we, we don't validate those subtle, because sometimes they are subtle, uh, these subtle things, uh, you know, these subtle communications or messages or uh, signs or symbols. Yeah, there's, there's no such thing as coincidences, <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, just pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening right in front of you. Don't don't stare at your phone. <laughs> you know, I mean that's <laughs> something that I, you know, I noticed this. I, 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 thankfully, I'm not. I don't have a regular job now. I write full time. But when I had my last job, it was really I just couldn't believe it because we we had this office building and it was in the middle of um, a kind of a wild area. There were swamps, there was a pond, um, there were woods, you know, all around. And on my break, every day, no matter what the weather was, if it was snowing, raining, if it was 110, it didn't matter. I was outside every day, and I saw the most amazing things. I saw turtles, I saw coyotes, I saw eagles, um, I saw great blue herons, I, I saw otters. 
uh, or muskrats. I'm not sure they were something. But, I mean, I just, every day I, w- I heard owls talking to each other, and it's just like every day was a miracle. And I'd come back mm-hmm. into the building, and everybody that I worked with was sitting in the break room staring at their phone. And they, <laughs> they were playing Candy Crush or whatever they were doing, and I just felt like, I just felt like they were missing yeah. everything. They, you know, they were Miss, missing missing sad. the real deal and what what's important. Yeah. Um, or you know, yeah. yeah, I totally get that. And 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 again, going back to you know some of the comments uh, we shared open in the show, you know, by you doing that, that is a constant reminder of our interconnection. You know, our interdependence. You know, rather than the telephones that uh, foster that disconnection. You know, uh, from everything. You know. Um, well, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, about witches. I mean, your book, uh, The Real Witches of New England. Um, I guess um, I, I want to know how you define a witch. And um, and uh, and what's the difference between um, being Wiccan, Wiccan or being uh, a Druid? Is there a big difference? Yes, <laughs> there's a difference. But you know, the problem is there's many different kinds of witches, and some witches uh, are very devoted to Greek deities, and some witches are have no deities at all, and they just work with nature. Um, some witches are actually Catholic or Christian, um, mm-hmm. and they think of it as a craft, you know, and not a religion. So you can't, it's hard to generalize, you know. But yeah. um, the, Druid, the Druid path has a particular flavor because the Druid path comes from, the word Druid is actually the plural, Druid is the singular, uh, comes from the Celtic culture, and it's a particular function within a tribe. So for me, because I'm what's called a Celtic Reconstructionist, which means we, we're always studying the ancient ways and trying to live that way, um, being a solitary druid uh, is kind of an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense because a druid is a function. Um, a witch can be solitary. In fact, most witches were solitary. Um, but the druid was a tri- that was a tribal office and they were the advisor to the ruler and we remember that in the stories of Arthur and Merlin that's kind of our folk memory of that relationship Merlin is the archetypal mm-hmm. druid Arthur is the archetypal king um the king was raised to be a warrior he spent his teenage years learning how to kill people and you know work with weapons uh, the Druid was an intellectual and spent 20 years learning how the laws, the precedents, and um, they specialized in different things. It could be medicine, uh, could be history-keeping, philosophy, uh, sacred singing. Um, you know, that these were, they were learned people, and they weren't warriors, with very few exceptions. There were one or two legendary figures who were both, but that was rare. So they were called the two kidneys of the kingdom. The the two kidneys were the king and the druid, or the queen and the druid. Mm-hmm. Whereas the witch, okay. the witch is a solitary figure, which is one reason why people are scared of witches, because they weren't working for the tribe. They were work. They were a law unto themselves. 
<laughs> which meant that you didn't know necessarily what they were going to do. And that made them okay. scary. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I'd, I'd never actually heard anyone say that, um, but it makes it, it makes sense, you know, that, that perspective, you know, it's, um, it, you know, because it kind of sounds like, well, they could be self-serving rather than maybe looking out for what's, uh, you know, the, the, the best for the most of us or something like that. Well, they could, they could help you or they could harm you. And it was, and right. they made their own decisions. You know, they were independent, and they didn't care. Uh, later in Christian times, they didn't necessarily care what the church was saying. Just like in pre-Christian times, they didn't necessarily care what the ruler was saying. They were along okay. to themselves. Yeah, and that's frightening. Well, now how how is <laughs> how is that different from the Druid? Forgive me if if you've already maybe well, answered the, that. Because was, the, yeah, the Druid always worked for the tribe. Always work for the tribe. Okay. Yeah, you always knew what side the druid was on. The druid was going to be on the side of the tribe. So if they were doing battle magic, and they did do magic, if they were doing magic, it was going to be for their tribe and against the other tribe, you know. So. Yeah. You know, I, I have I have to tell you, Ellen, I, I think I'm hearing a collective scream out there. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and 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 look, let's preface what I'm about to say by, you know, if if uh, if there were a group of people that you cannot generalize about, it's uh, people who consider themselves witches or goddess advocates. That's we are right. all you over can. the place. Yeah, it's very uh, you know, hard. They, we, we, we are like but, herding yeah. cats, you know, and, and wear that like a badge of honor. Um, but right. I can imagine the women out there, or the men, uh, you know, male witches, um, uh, screaming at what, something you just said, because I don't know if you okay. meant it that way, but it what came across... Say? What? Well, well, it what? came. You, you didn't. Well, or and it might just be my interpretation of what you just said. Um, but I think you kind of said that the 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 witch uh, maybe isn't quite that trustworthy. You know, she can. No, you know, not, she can kind of lean lean either lean either way. You know, she might yeah, not no, help the not, tribe. That's not what I said. What I said is the okay. witch is a law unto herself. Right. Okay. Well, well, so you know, elaborate on her, that a little bit. She's making her own decisions, or he. Okay. Because most, yeah. for most of the time, it was he. It wasn't until 1475 that people thought of witches as she. Before that, okay. they thought of them as he. <laughs> but um, okay. Yeah, they're making they're they're a powerful figure who knows how to do stuff. And whether they were the healer for the community, the counselor for the community, um, the magician for the community, I mean, they knew how to do stuff. They were learned people. They were working with the common people. They weren't working with the rulers, with exceptions, of course, because, you mm-hmm. know, Queen Elizabeth had her own magician and king, you know, big kings always had magicians hanging around. But in general, the cunning men, the cunning women, were working in the villages, in the towns, with the common people. Um, and they were a law unto themselves. Okay. Um, okay. And, and, I, and I'm not arguing with you about it. It's just when you mm-hmm. say that, it, it kind of, at least it's just my ear, it kind of implies, um, a, you know, maybe a 
selfishness rather than a no. um, a morality a morality. No. No, I wouldn't call it selfishness. I would call it self actualization. <laughs> okay. It, it's more like they they had their own ideas and they were going to do what they wanted. Which independent women. Independent, independent women. Exactly. And a lot of okay, in fact, that, when you get to my book, I like that you'll better. See if you if you read my book, Real Witches of New England, you'll find out that a lot of the women that were accused of witchcraft, one of the reasons you could be accused would be if you were too independent, if you spoke yeah, out yeah. too much, if you know. Yeah, I, I I think Republicans would still burn us at the stake if if they could, because I I don't think they're they they necessarily like independent women very much. Uh, but you know, I, I I can't help it. I get political. What can I say? Um, uh, so yeah, I like I like the independent women. I like that label better. But they weren't all women. Um, they were men also. They weren't okay. Well, women. either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I but I but I like in I like independent better. You know, because sometimes uh-huh. it it just kind of it kind of came across like um, I I don't know like maybe the the druids had a um, you know a, a, a better sense of ethics or. Uh, no, I didn't or, say that. What I said is that the okay. druid was always working with the ruler of the individual mm-hmm. tribe, so they were on yeah. the same side, and there right, was no ambiguity. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, we're 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 working this out. We're exploring the exploring the idea. I I, I appreciate you being patient with me. Um, so um, okay. So we've talked about the difference between witches and druids. Um, so uh-huh. what uh, what what I mean? I, well, you're living right there in Massachusetts. Um, how far are you from Salem? Two hours. I don't live near. Two Salem. hours. Yeah. So. So I mean, uh, tell tell us about Salem. For those of us who've never made it there, um, you know, I have pe- friends who have gone and said, "Oh, you know, it's it's uh, it's just the you know commercialization of paganism. Um, it's it's all just a bunch of hype." Then other people go there, and it's this really wonderful experience. They feel like they're connecting with their roots. Um, what is Salem like? I mean, is it is it worth? If you're in California, is it worth a trip? <laughs> well, first of all, none of the witchcraft stuff that everybody thinks of, the crucible and the trials, none of that happened there. Um, or I should say the executions didn't happen there. I think maybe maybe the some of the trials did, but the actual executions did not happen in Salem. They happened in Danvers. It's a town now called Danvers, which was called Salem Village. Um what we call Salem today is basic i mean it's it's built up as a commercial it's it's a big commercial hub really to for i, I mean i don't you're going to get mad at me if i tell you what i think um, no no i'm not i'm really not please do tell yeah, me it's very commercial you know, we, and it and the important stuff didn't happen there that's what you need okay. to know so when you go there, you can go there as a tourist, and you can buy yourself a nice witch hat, and you can go to the witch stores, and you can buy some books, and you can um, have fun and you know dress up as a witch, which is what most people do. Um, try to go after November 1st or before April 1st, because if you go now, uh, it's a mob scene. It's like 
just wall-to-wall people and literally people standing in line waiting to go into a shop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've never seen anything like that. You wait in line for an hour to get into a shop. And then they have that, that doesn't sound like time. <laughs> they have bouncers. The shops have bouncers. Wow. <laughs> I kid you not, standing in the doorway making sure that people don't crush their way in, you know, it's like it's crazy. Wow. It, it's I really had no crazy. idea it was that bad. I I mean yeah. I figured it was terribly commercialized, but I had no idea it was that bad. Yeah, it's, so it's, so if 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 you want the real thing then, where yeah. do you go? I mean, can you is it possible to find these other sites on your own? Um, you know, I, or I mean is it areas that are marked or you kind of have to do your own sleuthing? Well, I don't know because I was lucky enough to go with a resident of Salem who took me around, so that was my my experience of it. Um, but but know that it was only two years ago that they finally identified where the people were actually killed, where they were hung. Hmm. And um, you know, originally they thought it was in Salem, so there's a big witchcraft memorial there. No, it wasn't Salem. Then they said it was Gallows Hill, which is uh, in Danvers. But it turns out it wasn't Gallows Hill either, and it was only two years ago. And I don't, I, I have yet to find out. I don't know exactly how they figured this out, whether it was through archaeology or uh, literature or how they did it. But it's literally in somebody's backyard, and I can't imagine wow. being that home the homeowner because it's at the end of their garden. You know, there's this, um, but there's a new memorial now that they just put up with the names of the victims carved into it. And there was nobody there. I went there and there was nobody there. Because wow. everybody was in the shops buying yeah. their stuff, you know. And the real yeah. place where it all happened, there was nobody. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, so. So, uh, so about that, well, I mean, I, I'm still trying to think about the poor person who has the backyard uh, that, uh, you know, I wonder if they, you know, if they have any uh, psychic experiences. Um, but what would you say, aside from this whole um, uh, location confusion, what are some of the most uh, mis- uh, you know, misunderstood, or what's the the worst misinformation out there about uh, you know the the real witches of New England or the witch trials or any of that? Well, I don't think people really. I mean, this is a deep subject. There's a lot to it, and in the book, I start out with 1400 BC, and I go from the Bronze Age all the way through Salem was the end it was it was really the end of the process i mean there were a few people killed after that and of course it's still going on in africa people are still being burned mm-hmm. as witches right now and in saudi yeah. arabia um yeah. but but in the west it, it kind of petered out you know but but for us uh salem was just the end it, it was you know, people think of Salem as this big thing, but it was really just the end of something that had been going on for a thousand years. And, well, and, um, and also too, I mean, they were. What ways were they really killed? You know, separate the the fact from the fiction there, because I think there's confusion about that as well, right? Well, they were usually hung. There was one guy who was pressed to death with rocks, but 
are you talking about in Salem or are you talking about in Europe? What do you No, 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 oh, no, I was I was trying to keep focused on Salem. Uh because oh, I think yeah, some well, people the, thought that you know, that maybe some people were burned and I and I and I don't believe that's the case. I no, think like you no, said they, they burned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In Europe they were burned, but not in in the in America. But the book doesn't focus, I mean, I don't focus that much on Salem. Salem, like I said, is just the end point of all this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I give a timeline of every European country, and I try to give an idea of how many people were killed, you know, what the reasons were. And I go country by country and track the hysteria as it builds, and then it it winds down. And then, unfortunately, when people came to America, supposedly looking for freedom, they brought all those ideas with them. That's what they had in their mm-hmm. mind when they came here. So they just continued doing what had been going on in Europe for a thousand years, you know. Right. But luckily, after Salem, people were so ashamed, they, they felt terrible about it. And I found out recently Nathaniel Hawthorne changed the spelling of his name because he was a uh, direct relative of one of the judges who was named Hawthorne, and he didn't want anybody to know. That's how shameful it was. So he changed yeah. the spelling of Hawthorne. Um, but, yeah, it, it was bad. It was, it you know, it wasn't, and now it's become something, I don't know, something to be celebrated. I don't get it, but... Uh, well, anyway. I think we can, you know, thank thank Hollywood for, you know, kind yeah. of uh, um, uh, in, in a way re, uh, rehabilitating the witch, you know, um, not that, the, you know, all the witches they portray are, are always good. Uh, but, you know, you have, uh, you know, J.K. Rowling, you got the, mm-hmm. uh, 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 what is it, the three charmed, um, yeah. you know, I, I mean, you... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So even the, so the of real Oz, witch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, Glenda. Um, so the real witches of New England. Um, who, um, who's the? I, I mean, it sounds like you went really far back and you know made this really thorough. But um, who were the real witches that you're focusing on? Was it individuals or just sort of, um, you know, a kind of a history of witches? Uh, that ended up in New England, or um, tell us a little bit more about the synopsis of the book. Well, there were over 300 accused witches in New England, and I couldn't focus on all of them. I mean, nobody could yeah. to do them yeah. justice, you know. So, so I I just picked out ones that were in my immediate area. I mean, that's why I started <laughs> writing the book because I went to a poetry reading in Wendell, Massachusetts, and there was a poet, Mike Mowry. I have part, an excerpt from his poem in the book, but he started reading this poem about Half-Hanged Mary, uh, the witch of Hadley, and Hadley is 17 minutes from my house, and I was working in Hadley at the time, and I had never heard of Half-Hanged Mary. I had no idea who she was. And then I, so I started looking her, I looked her up, and then I found out there was a witch of Northampton. Northampton is 45 minutes from my house. Then I found out that the first accused witch was in Springfield. That's 45 minutes from my house. The first killed, the first witch that was hung was in Hartford, which is about 50 minutes from my house. And I said, holy, 
holy cow, you know, I've been living in this house for 30 years and I'd never heard of any of this, you know. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I hang out with witches all the time and I hang out with druids and I've been to endless pagan festivals. Nobody, nobody mentioned any of this stuff. So I, so then I just started looking into it. And, um, and then I was wondering, well, why? why? Why did this happen? Why were they accusing all these people? So then I had to look at the history. And then so, the, so I begin the book with the history, uh, starting with the Old Testament, because that's where all the problems begin. And, mm-hmm. um, and then for the first thousand years, there wasn't much of an issue. And then the year Y1K happened, which was we had Y2K when everybody thought our civilization was going to end because computers were going to collapse, you know. Well, they had Y1K, and they were also terrified, and they thought their civilization was going to end. But they thought the devil was going to appear in everybody's living room. So everybody was, that was the first big satanic panic, you know. And they started thinking about devils and demons. Um, And then at that time they thought witches uh, were people who were communicating with devils and demons, and they must be men because men are smart, men are educated, men are powerful. Therefore, witches must be men. So that that's huh. what they started thinking. And it wasn't until um, 1475 a book came out uh, called Formicarius by Jacob Nieder, who he said, no, women are, are immoral, stupid, not well-educated, gullible, uh, therefore much more likely to be uh, followers of the devil, Therefore, witches must be women. And that was right when the Gutenberg Press was invented, so his ideas spread like wildfire because they had this new technology called books. And <laughs> that's when that all started, the idea that of the old woman um, being the witch, you know. And, I mean, there's just it's complicated. There's a lot there. They went after midwives. They went after herbalists. Um, they went after women who were too opinionated, women who were too mm-hmm. good-looking, too smart, mm-hmm. women who were mm-hmm. too successful. You know, they raised healthy wow. children. Their children didn't die. Everybody else's children were dying. Therefore, she must be a witch. You know, or if uh, or, or if or if she was maybe a widow and they wanted her land. <laughs> that um, yeah. You know. So the people that got named as witches, um, is there a, I mean, it seems like uh, what you're saying is maybe a lot of these people weren't even really witches. They just uh, crossed the wrong people or looked the wrong way or acted the wrong way. So they might not have even been what we would call witches. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, when I looked at individual cases in New England, I didn't see, there was only one person that I saw who might have been a witch, and that was Tituba, um, and she was not killed. All the people that were killed were not witches. They were just Puritan men and women, which is why people felt so ashamed when the hysteria finally died down. Everybody realized what they had just done. They just killed all these Christians, you know, and they had, and they felt really bad about it. But the one practitioner... <laughs> who seemed like she might actually be doing some witchcraft was Tituba, and she wasn't touched. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but, yeah. yeah, most of them, most of the people killed were not witches. In fact, in Europe, they were going after Jews. They were going after um, 
homosexuals. They were going after gypsies. Uh, if you were Catholic in a Protestant country, if you were Protestant in a Catholic country, if you were mm-hmm. a member of a, a small sect like the Cathars or the Waldensians, uh, you know, mm-hmm. anybody was fair game. Anybody who didn't fit the norm of whatever mm-hmm. was happening in that immediate area, they would right. target. And and I don't know if you can answer this question, um, but do you think um, things have gotten better? I mean, um, do you, do you think there's as much witch hysteria out there? You know, is uh, you know, is there used to maybe be a few decades ago? I mean, I've I've had like for instance, I don't know if you're familiar with the guy Patrick McCullum. He's an elder. And, uh, you know, in, in the pagan community. And, you know, he told me, uh, oh, gee, probably 20, well, no, maybe 10 years ago on my show, that uh, uh, 30 years earlier, so we're talking, I guess it would be 40 years ago, that uh, his house was literally almost firebombed because he uh-huh. talked about goddess, he talked about, you know, witchcraft, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And now, you know, now he's, um, you know, a, a a, a, a famous elder in the community. I mean, uh, you know, he moves in uh, important circles. Uh, it just doesn't seem to, you know, get people's panties in a bunch like it used to. Um, do you do you think there's some truth to that, or do you think that's wishful thinking? I think it depends on where you are. If you're in the Bible Belt, forget it. <laughs> I mean, there was a yeah. group... Um, I always forget if it was Tennessee or Kentucky. I get them confused. But last weekend there was a Druid group uh, trying to do a ceremony, which they pulled off. But they did it in a public ceremony, which they'd never done before. And they were getting death threats. And I know that when the Harry Potter books came out, there were ministers in the South who were organizing book burnings. You know, mm. So it, it, it really depends on where you are. Um, sort of the, you know, the East Coast, West Coast <laughs> folk. Uh, at the moment, yeah. everybody's, everybody thinks witches are cute, you know, with Harry Potter and Charmed and, um, you know, mm-hmm. all, all that because of Hollywood and whatnot. But, but I feel like it could turn. It could turn at any time. Um, because I, it just on my Facebook feed just today, uh, somebody, and I didn't read the whole article, so I don't know who it was, but some some Republican was complaining about the fact that a group of witches, and this is true, there's a group of witches in New York City who were organizing um, spells against Trump, okay? And oh, the, bi- the so bindings, this, yeah. Yeah, the, okay, so it's really happening. But the, So this Republican operative is, is complaining about that. Well... Um, <laughs> you know, Trump likes to talk about witch hunts, you know, um, which also makes me nervous. And then the Pope a few weeks ago uh, said something that made me really nervous. Now that I've written this book, I'm, I'm getting more and more nervous. But the Pope said that the pedophile scandal, he didn't blame the men who were responsible for the acts that they did. He said it was Satan. It was the devil. And oh, God. the devil... Yeah, that's what he said. Francis, Pope Francis. That that so I, is that is so surprising. I mean, my God, what ha- what's happened to him? 
What's well, happened to him? I mean, that that does that sounds like a Jerry Falwell or a what is the well, Seven Hundred Club guy? It really when wow. he said that, it chills went down my spine because it, once you start saying that, you start saying that it's the devil. You know, the devil's trying to divide the church. That's why this happened. You know, um, then pretty soon they start looking for who's working with the devil. You know, and then the persecutions start. And so, I mean. As as I wrote the book, and I hope that as people read the book, they will also see this, but as I wrote the book, the parallels that I saw with what was happening then and what's happening now, you know, like the Y1K hysteria was exactly like mm-hmm. the Y2K hysteria. Um, and I realized people have not changed. People are still people. Um, and unfortunately, we have a leader right now who's trying to make everybody upset about immigrants you know immigrants are the mm-hmm. new you know target now um right. and he's sending armed troops to the border yeah with guns. i heard that what could, uh, yeah what yeah could a huge amount of them too <laughs> well or you know what is the optic you know what is the optic going to be when you see you know these a uh, hundred soldiers surrounding uh, mothers and children you know a hundred um today i heard well, it was well, going I, to be 15 15- Fifteen thousand. Well, no, no, I know. Yes. Now there's no, but what? But 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 what? well, no, no, yeah, you're right, you're right. And and what I meant by the hundred was, you know, I'm thinking in a snapshot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you'll have yeah. you know you'll have all of these guys in military gear like they're ready to go fight some stormtroopers or something, and they're going right. to be hurting, wrangling, shooing mm-hmm. away women and kids who are trying to seek asylum because you know they're they're not safe to live in their you know country of uh, of their birth. I mean, I think the, the optics could really backfire on him, like the kids in cages, um, I, and I hope it does. Excuse me, I have to. I'm coughing here. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, bad. we'll have we'll have to see. <laughs> it's bad. Um, um, yeah, but I mean, but, the world. I hear you. The, the, the world is looking at the United States right now, and they see us building concentration camps and putting children in, in cages, and uh, that's mm-hmm. what the world is is seeing. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is. But the thing is, the people that are in charge of this country right now don't care. No, no, they don't. But you know, I, I and look, and I, I just hope to God us that I'm right. You know, I think all of this overreach, I think all of this craziness. Um, I hate to say it, but I almost wonder if this excessiveness was necessary to wake people up. Uh, I mean, I think people were sitting on their couches, staring in their phones, not knowing what was going on, and drip by drip by drip by drip, um, you know, things were getting worse and worse. And um, and, and I, I feel bad for the collateral damage because these are, you know, these are human people with families and feelings and lives. Um, but I... I, I you know, it's it's almost. I I feel like that's the only way to to wake up. Uh, you know, the good of humanity to fight the evil. You know, I mean, I I think we've just been too complacent and passive. Well, that's so, you know, pretty maybe much what happened. Be a catalyst, is, you know? That's what happened in Salem. The the hysteria just built and built and built and built until they killed all these people, and then they said, "Oh my goddess, you know, what have we done?" 
they realized yeah. that what they had done, but it took the it took killing people to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and that's why I said that you know I I'm not taking the collateral damage lightly. I mean you know these are mm-hmm. these are people, and um, but you know I look at the whole Republican brand, um, and look not that I'm a, a you know crazy about the Democrats either. I mean I feel like they have, uh, you know they have shirked their responsibility. I got lots of problems with them, but uh, you know I mean I I just think you know people uh, in, unless they're they're just not thinking or they're totally motivated by racism and sexism and homophobia um they uh you know they are seeing the these extremist republicans just uh running amok and um i i don't know i i i hope it damages their brand irreparably um i i guess we'll just have to see well we'll see next week um when we have the midterms you know we'll see if yeah. people come out, well, if they, you know, if they vote for Republicans again, we'll see. I well, don't know. Well, let me ask you about Susan Collins. Um, Susan Collins, who you know helped us keep Obamacare. I mean, she stood up and had mm-hmm. uh, found some spine, uh, but but she went ahead and voted for Kavanaugh. Um, is there much opposition to her growing to kind of pay her back for her not doing the right thing, or uh, do you think she's, she's not my senator? Um, she's safe. <laughs> Oh, Wait, not, oh well, but, but Massachusetts senator. is so small. <laughs> no, Elizabeth um, Warren is my senator. <laughs> Oh wait Elizabeth a minute! Oh Maine, that's Martin. right. You're right. I'm sorry. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. I'm, con- yeah, I'm, I'm confusing Maine and Massachusetts. Collins. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> sorry about okay. That. Okay. Okay. No, but Elizabeth I Warren is great. I love Elizabeth yeah. Warren. She's fantastic. She's, yeah, she's really yeah. good. Well, you know, uh, the 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 only thing I still uh, kind of uh, you know still kind of harbor a little disappointment with her uh, uh, is that I kind of felt like if she would have run with Bernie Sanders, what I mean I, I don't know I just kind of feel like that would have been an unstoppable ticket, you know maybe even the Democrats and the um, uh, what do you call it the super delegates uh, would have had to have um, you know. Woken up, but you know I, well, I might Hillary just be living run. on the moon. Hillary should have run with Bernie Sanders. That was the Hillary should have picked Bernie Sanders as her vice president. That would have been the ticket. Yeah, not Elizabeth Warren, because then That's you would have had two. Point. You would have had two two progressives with Elizabeth Warren. But if if it was Hillary and Bernie, then you would have had a, a middle of the road Democrat and a progressive, and that would have that yeah. would have gotten everybody. Yeah, they just made a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, mistake. yeah, 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 and and I mean, I think it was arrogance, and um, you know, and I can't help but wonder if the Democrats are going to shoot themselves in the foot again and think um, just being against Trump is enough. You know, uh, to to win over so many voters that feel like the Democrats have abandoned them. Um, well, you know, I, God, you know, we could speculate all night, uh, but it's it's uh, it's it's interesting to watch this whole thing unfold. You know, but I do hope people will go out to the polls Tuesday because it is so crucial. And you know, even if you're not crazy about the Democrats, the alternative is just insanity. Um, so you know, the idea is, you know, let's get the Democrats back in and rehabilitate the party, you know, get more, um, you know, more progressives, more women, 
more uh, people who, you know, aren't interested in just the needs of the corporations, um, you know, making decisions and, you know, righting the wrongs. That's my uh, political pitch for the night. <laughs> well, whether whether uh, you want Democrats or not, we're supposed to have a government with checks and balances, and right now we mm-hmm. don't have that. We The Republicans right. have every single branch, including the Supreme Court. So there's yep. no check on what they do, and that is really dangerous. That's not the way the United States is supposed to operate. If you believe in no. the Constitution, you know, if you're a, a strict conservative who likes the constitution what we're doing now is not correct it's not an, it's not the way it's supposed to be so even from yeah. that point of view you know you got to get people in there who will stand up to what's happening Yeah, yeah. And and, I mean, we've got to do something about Citizens United, because as long as, you know, they all need the money of the corporations, they're going to kowtow uh, to the corporations, you know, rather than the people who they're supposed to be in service to. But anyway, we're supposed to be talking about (laughs) witches tonight. And um, And the real witches of New England. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, there you go. The Real Witches of New England, History, Lore, and Modern Practice by the lady I've been talking to for the last hour, Ellen Everett Hopman. Um, well, Ellen, um, is there anything about the book um, or about the subject, witches, druids, um, that I haven't thought to ask that you want to make sure you say before we say goodnight? Well, yeah, the first part of the book is the history. The second part of the book um, I talked to descendants of the Salem witch trials. Um, I I found people online, and, and then I started meeting them in person. I've met a lot of them in person now, but and I talked to them and how they feel about all this. So that's really interesting. And then the third part of the book, and you really shouldn't be asking me questions about witches because I'm not a witch. But the third part of the book, the witches uh, talk about witchcraft, and um, you know they they. These are the, some of the most well-known and some of the lesser-known witches in the New England area, and uh, who are alive today. And and you know that's the beauty of all this is that after all the the torture and the death and the mayhem that went on starting in 1400 BC, <laughs> you know, all the way through the horrible persecutions, um, witchcraft is still here. It's I I think of it as a path to enlightenment when it's done correctly um, because it's finding the divine in all things, earth, air, fire, water, animals, plants, trees, people, you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's another path to enlightenment, you know, if it's done right. well. And, right, um, right. But, but you get to read the actual words of the New England modern witches talking about how they became witches, why they became witches, what they practice, you know, do they do magic, is it a religion or is it a craft, you know, I I ask them all these questions, and and so that's the beauty of the book, it's it's a, the arc of history. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, sounds like a, a, a you know a, a really fun read and well researched uh, and most definitely an informative uh, kind of a a different take on a you know kind of an old subject if you will. Yeah, I mean it's gotten really good reviews. I'm happy to say um, in the front of the book awesome. I have various comments from well known witches. <laughs> 
who one one woman said to me, she, this is in private, she sent me a private email. She said, Ellen, when I heard that a druid had written a book about witches, I was horrified. But you did a really good job. <laughs> well, <Okay. laughs> well, well, I I wish you well. I wish you every success with the book, and um, uh, you know, keep uh, keep my email uh, when you have something else. Uh, you know, your next book or uh, some other topic you'd like to chat about. Uh, just uh, pop me an email, and I've enjoyed talking to you tonight. We'll uh, uh, we'll do a part two or something. How's that? Well, there is another book coming out next August. So, <laughs> what is it? What's um, the title? It's the Sacred Herbs of Samhain, plants oh, to communicate with the spirits of the dead. So it'll be very appropriate for next Halloween. So are you, you going to get into that. like the 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 witch's ointment and the flying oh, ointment yeah. and stuff yep, like yep, that? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, we'll 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 have to do a repeat of tonight then. <laughs> it's a date. Okay. I'll well, see you okay. next time. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Ellen. Uh, best of luck with the book, and uh, have a wonderful sacred season. Thank you. Blessings. Okay. Okay. Bye. Good night. Bye bye. And now a word from Joe Carson. Let me say a few things about Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of Earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. Here is what Drusilla Pettibone said on Dearmist.com. I was truly touched and even awed by the film. I don't think I can comment on it adequately until I've had a chance to watch it a couple more times. I really appreciate that there is so much substantive information to digest. For example, the info about hinges and tracing the horizon line is all new to me and totally fascinating. The film was obviously very beautiful and I was amazed how it was able to capture so many of the descriptions visually and seamlessly connect vintage footage with modern. I especially loved when images were dynamically superimposed on each other, like the lace with the water and the dancing in the flowering meadow. A visual feast and with so many layers. I am also so pleased to have been introduced to Monica Shu and her work. It's so important for pagans to become aware of our heritage. It seems easily lost among so many new books, and the film really brought me home in a new way. Dancing with Gaia is available at dancingwithgaia.com. Uh, just a little tag here about uh, Dancing with Gaia. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, uh, which goes even deeper into the material, and you can buy the DVD and the booklet for only $20 at dancingwithgaia.com. 
Um, okay, so as I promised at the opening of the show, um, I uh, said that I would let you hear that entire cut of Passing Through the Portal by Abigail Spinner McBride. So uh, here we go. And um, until I'm back with you again on the 7th of uh, November, uh, have a wonderful sacred season of uh, Hollows Samhain Halloween. Good night. At this time of Samhain, when the veils between the worlds are thin, through the power of one mind, with the pure love of one heart, we open a portal to the other side. We peel back the veil, and we call to those of our ancestors and beloved dead who would like to experience this time of magic with us. We invite them to be fully present in this sacred space, to see through our eyes, to move through our bodies, to speak through our words, and to dance in this space with us until we close our circle when they will return across the Great Divide. We welcome the ancestors. Blessed be. Pass through the portal, go through the gate, enter and be reborn. Pass through the portal, go through the gate, enter and be reborn. Pass through the portal, go through the gate, enter and be reborn. Pass through the portal, go through the gate, enter and be reborn. That which is remembered never dies. 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 Through the portal, go through the gate, enter and be 